Welcome to CME on ReachMD. This episode is part of our Minute CME curriculum. Prior to beginning the activity, please be sure to review the faculty and commercial support disclosure statements, as well as the learning objectives. Hello, I'm Fred Sad, Professor and Chairman of Urology and Director of GU Oncology in Montreal, Canada. And it's a pleasure to be discussing today with my friend and colleague, uh, Professor Dan George, on the topic of non-metastatic CRPC. We haven't heard much new. We've had three pivotal trials that have shown significant improvements in delaying metastases and in terms of improving overall survival. So um, Dan led uh, an important um, data analysis of patients on the three drugs that are now approved. And maybe you can share some thoughts and some um, results from that study. Happy to, Fred. Yeah. So, you know, as you said, we've had three really large pivotal trials that have demonstrated the metastasis-free survival and, and overall survival benefits associated with either darolutamide or enzalutamide or apalutamide in this phase and really become kind of a standard of care. But the trials were all done a little bit differently in terms of follow-up. They were all placebo-controlled, but, you know, cross-trial comparisons are, you know, a little bit um, uh, difficult because of those differences and, and, and whatnot. So, so you know, we're kind of left with uh, having to make treatment decisions on which drug to use without really kind of clear comparative data. So sometimes we'll turn to real-world evidence to help fill this gap. And, and granted, real-world is, is not a, you know, head-to-head randomized clinical trial, but it does give us some insights into one, you know, how patients are being managed and, and two, how patients are tolerating therapy in, in practice. And, and so we, we did an analysis looking in a large urology practice uh, group uh, across the country. This was, um, this was uh, over hundred urology practices and and really a, an extensive electronic medical record um, review of um, prescript, prescribing information as well as their management um, and, 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 and clinical outcomes. And, uh, and this was done over a three-year period, 2019, 20, and 21, looking at sort of the, the use of darolutamide, enzalutamide, and apalutamide. It had a, you know, roughly 700 patients, and, and it worked out to be about the same for darolutamide, enzalutamide, apalutamide was less used. Um, but enzalutamide a little more early and darolutamide a little more late. So, so take all that into consideration. And when we look across what was really interesting, we looked at a composite endpoint of both um, time to discontinuation therapy and also time to progression. Remember, these phase three pivotal trials had you know, median times to uh, to, to metastasis of, of roughly, you know, 36 to 40 months. So we're expecting something along those lines. And, and we didn't see that. We saw, you know, the, the time to treatment discontinuation for either metastasis or progression to metastasis or um, uh, unacceptable toxicity to be closer to around, around 24 months for enzalutamide and apalutamide. Uh, for darolutamide, it wasn't reached throughout with a lower limit confidence interval of 30 months. So we'll see where that one actually ends. And it's interesting, it does appear across the population that, that darolutamide had a longer time to discontinuation or progression slash death. So, um, so we, 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 did, we dug into that a little bit. We could see that it was kind of 
broken out with both. We saw kind of equal rates of about 50% less discontinuation because of AEs and about 50% less discontinuation because of progression metastasis for darolutamide compared to enzalutamide or apalutamide. So again, this is real world data, right? This is, this. there may be some, some differences in patient selection or in, in, in management and whatnot, but, but the, 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 the reality is, is this was an older population, median age of 80. And so it, it's possible that, you know, drugs like darolutamide that don't cross the blood-brain barrier have a little bit of a different tolerance pattern in these, in, these, in these patients that aren't necessarily represented in the pivotal trial. So I think we need more data, but it's worth looking in real world data to understand these things and to really understand how our trial data applies into, the, into our practice. Well, that's, that's really fascinating. I mean, it was, uh, I enjoyed reading that abstract and it, it actually um, was, was quite surprising. And we need that kind of data because individually, when we treat a few patients, we, we don't really get a sense for these kind of differences. So thanks for, for sharing that. And, and there was another study um, looking at the Aramis results uh, in terms of the long-term um, safety data in, in with patients treated in the Aramis study. Any thoughts yeah. around that? Yeah, you know, this was this was led by some of our, our colleagues, Neil Shore and others, and it, and it was a rollover study. This was for patients that had Really, you know, completed the, um, you know, the the Aramis uh, darolutamide study, and still were going on. So, so rather than sort of just roll them over um, to standard of care, we rolled them over to standard of care with sort of like registry, if you will, for follow up. And just had, you know, over over, you know, almost almost half the patients, about four hundred and fifty patients or so, uh, that rolled over. And uh, what was really interesting was that uh, overall. The toxicity profile was very similar. There's a slight increase, as you can imagine, a little bit of cumulative uh, toxicity will, will occur, but it was all the expected side effects we'd seen earlier. So no new signals of safety issues and, and really kind of minimal you know, increases in, in those rates in, in, in largely low grade. But over half of the patients in that rollover study were out to four plus years without progression. So now we're starting to see, you know, we saw the median 40 month median metastasis free survival. Now we're seeing that, you know, really extend further. And, and it really suggests there's a group of patients that can get very long-term disease control and acceptable tolerance, you know, on, on darolutamide in this setting. Yeah, no, no, fascinating. And, and I think that's what re- reflects the real world and in our practice that if you're going to get adverse events, they're usually pretty much in the first few months of starting therapy. So I have to get patients through that, that first hurdle. So I think that's, that's very informative. And it actually is going to probably lead to other studies and to these really long-term survivors or responders, you know, who are they? How can we predict who they are? And should we start thinking of de-intensification in some patients? That's for another time. Hopefully we'll be able to discuss some of that stuff later because I think we're all conscious of of long-term exposure to patients who might not actually need it. So very, very interesting. So thanks. thanks. And 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 maybe just to finish, present yourself because I think we didn't present you formally when we started the session. Oh thanks, Fred. Yes. Hi, I'm I'm Dan George. I'm a medical oncologist at Duke University and professor of medicine surgery. And you know happy to to speak to you today. Thanks so much for the opportunity. And anybody who doesn't know Dan shouldn't be working in prostate cancer. Take care, Dan. Thanks a lot. Thank you.
You've been listening to CME on ReachMD. This activity is jointly provided by Global Learning Collaborative, GLC, and Total CME Incorporated, and is part of our Minute CME curriculum. To receive your free CME credit or to download this activity, go to reachmd.com slash CME. Thank you for listening.